In this episode, I answer a listener question on tips for picking out good meta-analyses from bad ones. I know that you're into meta-analysis, right? And one of the things that I guess we're doing this at the moment is like we're getting into the whole literature review thing. And so I was just wondering, like, do you have any tips for picking out good meta-analyses from bad ones? This might be controversial, but one heuristic worth using is to see the software that was used to perform the meta-analysis. More often than not, when I see poorly conducted meta-analyses, the authors used comprehensive meta-analysis software, or CMA. Now, why is that? Well, I, I think it's because this software is the first thing that pops up when you Google meta-analysis software, which is actually a paid placement in the search results. And people that tend to use comprehensive meta-analysis are often new to meta-analysis. Uh, in fact, this is the software that I first used myself when I was getting into it during my PhD. But the thing with point-and-click packages is you don't really get a good understanding of what's happening underneath the hood. It's very easy to put in numbers and to get a result. And you think, hey, this result is valid because the software gave me some numbers. The other limitation of the software is that uh, it isn't very flexible beyond the common types of analyses that you want to do. And uh, meta-analyses almost never go the way that you expect. And uh, quite often you have to do additional additional analyses which aren't uh, offered in this uh, software package. Uh, on top of that, it's very hard to check the veracity of meta-analyses conducted in this software. Uh, sure, you could actually share the saved file for how you did it. Um, but uh, I mean, as a reviewer myself, I don't have the software. And uh, I'm not paying the money for the software to actually um, check how the meta-analysis was, con- was was conducted. Whereas people who are doing the meta-analyses within R can easily post the code uh, online and people can actually check that. And people who post code um, are much more likely to trust their meta-analyses. Uh, I know myself when I post the code to my meta-analyses. Uh, because I know people are, gonna, are potentially going to read it and run my code. I check that twice. I check that four times just to make sure that everything is correct. Now, um, I think, well, if you know what you're doing with comprehensive meta-analysis, the software is entirely valid. I'm not saying there's anything inherently wrong with the software, uh, but I think that the $300 per year license is much better spent training yourself to use R. And uh, $300 a year is quite an imposition, uh, especially if you're a graduate student and don't have the funding. So, you are much better off using that uh, to learn R. That's all for today's episode of Physiology and Behaviour with Dan Quintana. I hope you liked it. And if you did like it, I would really appreciate it if you were to post a link to the episode on Twitter. My name is at DS Quintana, or you can also post it uh, to Facebook and you can find me on Facebook as well. Uh, Just check out the links in the show notes. Uh, If you're into video, if you're on Instagram or if you're on YouTube, I also post some of the episodes on those sites there. So, check out the show notes. If you have any questions, please let me know. The best way to get into contact is to message me over Twitter via DM at DS Quintana. Bye for now.